Hello, everybody, and welcome to Vineyard Community Church. We're glad you're with us. If you're here in Big Pine, Key West, Williston, Ocala, wherever you happen to be, if you're on the Internet, we're just thankful to have the next few moments together. As we continue on in this uh, weeknight studies uh, that we're doing on the kingdom of God. And uh, uh, we started out last week and we began to lay down some of the scriptures that we need to sort of uh, work through the whole uh, concept uh, together. And I believe that uh, it's, uh, it's just crucial to our understanding of the Bible to have a good working understanding of the kingdom of God. It was central to the message and ministry of Jesus. When you begin to read about what Jesus says in the Gospels, he's always talking, always, about the kingdom of God. Uh, he says it's here, it's near, it's upon us. He talks about what the kingdom is like throughout the parables. I was reading the parables all this week and everything is the kingdom of God is like this and the kingdom of God is like that very important for him, for his disciples, including us, to understand this concept. And, and really everything that you sort of um, think about through the Bible, you have to be able to look on and look at through these kingdom of God lenses. It's that critical. And uh, it, will, it will definitely impact the way that you read and, and understand the scriptures that we have from the very beginning to the very end. And we can see the thread throughout the scripture. I'm pretty confident when we finish this, which is going to take a while in the kingdom of God, we're, we're then going to go and do a little thing called the story. We'll actually tie everything together from beginning to end and see how it all flows throughout the text. And uh, it's just very interesting stuff and sort of uh, lays out why we believe what we believe. And that's very important to us. Um, I think one of the things that's kind of fascinating and we began to touch on this last week, is when you open the, the text in the New Testament, you, you begin to sort of see, if you're, if you're reading it with a, this sort of idea in mind, is, is that there's a, there's a war that Jesus is engaged in. Um, John the Baptist proclaimed that there was one coming in which the, the age of the Spirit would come. And the words of Jesus and Mark clearly denote that the kingdom had arrived with Jesus. Make note of that, because we're going to be talking about that more next week. Uh, we'll get into the concept. Um, and, and we talked about the fact that Jesus not only had words, he had works. He not only talked about the king, kingdom, he demonstrated the kingdom in his ministry. And, and uh, in Jesus, what you need to know is that we have the presence of the future. Jesus has brought the rule of God from the future into the present. We talked about that yesterday when we talked about, or last week, when we talked about a definition of kingdom. And I said that, that uh, in, in the biblical text, the context, is that the kingdom talks about the, the authority and the power by which a ruler rules. And, and that's what he brings to us. And uh, so what we'll start working towards today is, is sort of this idea of the now but not yet. And what that means is that Jesus has inaugurated the kingdom. It won't fully be in place until he comes back, but we're living in this tension. And uh, what we'll do over the next two weeks is try and give you enough scripture to fully develop that idea. And I even have diagrams and pictures, but these will probably have to wait till next week. I don't think I'm going to get that far. But isn't that exciting and something to look forward to? Okay. But you can't have them yet. They're right here. <laughs> so, uh, this concept of the now but not yet is seen throughout the New Testament. Look at Matthew 12:28. It says, But if I drive out demons by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Not will come upon you. Has come upon you. 
1 Corinthians 15, 24. It says, Then the end will come when he hands over the kingdom to God the Father after he has destroyed all dominion, authority, and power. So the kingdom is already here in some sense for him to hand it over to the Father. John writes this in 1 John 3, 2. Dear friends, now... We are children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. But now, he said, now we're the children of God. Now, another thing we need to understand is that what Jesus did is as important as what Jesus said. And, and so we need to look just briefly at, at the ministry of Jesus. What did he do? And, and Mark begins to let us see that, that what Jesus did was, was he, he ministered in order to destroy the activity of the evil one in the world. All right? That's what begins to happen. There is a very real evil one. He exists And we'll talk about that much more in depth in in the weeks ahead. And Jesus came to not only let everybody know that he existed, but to begin the process of destroying the activity of Satan in the world. And so he, he sort of not only talks about it, but he gives his hearers an optical illustration, something that they could see that there's this cosmic conflict being played out before them. In Matthew 12, 22. I'm going to read 9 verses through 31. So hang with me. Then they brought him a demon-possessed man who was blind and mute. And Jesus healed him so that he could both talk and see. All the people were astonished and said, Could this be the son of David? But when the Pharisees heard this, they said, It is only by Beelzebub, the prince of demons, that this fellow drives out demons. Jesus knew their thoughts and said to them, Every kingdom divided against itself will be ruined. And every city or household divided against itself will not stand. If Satan drives out Satan, he is divided against himself. How then can his kingdom stand? Um, That's pretty interesting. You may want to underline that verse. And if I drive out demons by Beelzebub, by whom do your people drive them out? So then they will be your judges. But if I drive out demons by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Or again, how can anyone enter a strong man's house and carry off his possessions unless he first ties up the strong man? Then he can rob his house. He who is not with me is against me. He who does not gather with me scatters. And so I tell you, every sin and blasphemy will be forgiven men, but the blasphemy against the Spirit will not be forgiven. All right, this passage clearly demonstrates that the war between Jesus and the evil one isn't a civil war within a kingdom. Rather, it's a battle between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of Satan. All right? It's, it's two kingdoms. And what happens is that Satan, the strong man, is bound when Jesus comes. He, he binds him so that the strong man's house, his kingdom, can be plundered. Listen, the power is curbed, but not rendered completely powerless. Um, so, so here's what happens. Um, people have been trapped in the kingdom of the evil one. Jesus comes to let them know the kingdom of God has come upon them and they can be set free. And, and that he has bound up the evil one in such a way that that can now happen. Um, that there's, there's enough that, that, that can happen, that this can begin to take place. It's, the, it's this conflict that's going on. But even though he's been tied up, he's not completely powerless. Matthew 16:23, Jesus turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. 
You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. We see the enemy still at work. Luke 22, 3. Satan entered Judas, called Iscariot, one of the twelve. Again, we see the enemy at work. And, and so he's, he's been bound. He's, his power has been messed with, but not completely uh, taken away. Not yet. Anyway, so, so Jesus has won the war. That, that we're sure of. And the kingdom of God is, is definitely triumphant in this process. But there's still lots of battles to be fought. And, and uh, Jesus gives his disciples the mission of continuing to bring the rule of God, the kingdom of God, into the world uh, in their lives and proclamation. Look what he says in Luke 10, 8 and 9. When you enter a town and are welcome, eat what is set before you. Heal the sick who are there and tell them the kingdom of God is near you. And... and uh, in, in their preaching and miracles, Jesus sees the enemy's defeat. Luke ten eighteen, Jesus replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. And, and the last words from Jesus to his disciples when he left. Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through 8. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven, after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen, after his suffering. He showed himself to these men and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when they met together, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, It is not for you to know the times or dates the Father is set by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So, um, in this process then, and what we're talking about, this power, the power that the Holy Spirit brings is the power of the age to come, and that's what we need to start talking about, brought into today because of what Christ has done. So Jesus has come, the battle's been won, but there's still all these little battles that need to take place until he comes back again. And so we've been left with sort of the cleanup activities. doesn't mean it's not difficult or hard. Uh, it's a very difficult process, but it's the one that we're called to. Our mission is to go in the, the power of God in our lives, to go and proclaim the good news that people can be rescued and set free, and, and to, to pray and to heal and, and to deliver and to, to do all those things that Jesus has commanded us to do so that people can be brought out of the, the trap of the evil one and into the kingdom of God, the rule and authority and the reign of God in their lives. So the battle's been won, but there's still these little battles going on, these clean-up battles until Jesus comes back. And so... Uh, we're, we're caught up in this. All of us are caught up in this sort of conflict of the ages. So I want to begin to define now, having got that much scripture in you, um, what that looks like. Because the, have you, you know, as we started reading these verses, were you aware of the of how often the kingdom of God is mentioned in the scripture? I mean, do you have you ever thought about it beyond reading it that that over and over and over and over. It goes through the scriptures. Jesus taught about it. Paul taught about it. It's all in there. Constantly in there. In, in the Revelation, we're going to see it in there. It all ties together and it, and it gives us an idea of, see, how we're really supposed to live. So here's, here's part of the, the situation. We'll just sort of get into the, the intro of where we're going to head uh, in this to come. 
Um, we tend to think we have, a, we have a very interesting worldview. When we think of things, we even tend to think of our spiritual life as kind of uh, two sort of uh, different ideas. We have the life that we have now, and then we have everlasting life. And, and we sort of talk about them as two very separate ideas. Well, this is the life I'm living now, but, but if I know Jesus, when I die, I'm going to go to heaven. And we sort of have, a, I live here in this world, and then there's going to be this whole other world. And, and we have these concepts in our mind, and, it, and it, it, it impacts the way that we think. And even though we might begin to understand that we have, once we've come to Jesus, we've already begun our eternal life, we don't generally think in those concepts. Um, we sort of think of this is this life, and eternal life happens when we die. Uh, that's the next, next step, okay? But, but see, that thinking isn't exactly right, because the moment that you... Give your life to Christ. You have begun your eternal life. That's, it all started then. You've begun the process. And so there's, there's the rest of this existence in, in, you know, that we're, 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 we're used to, but it's just the beginning of forever life. But, but we tend to look at things in this sort of split context of, of, well, there's this world and then there's another world. Part of the problem is... That, that there's some language in the New Testament that hasn't been very well um, translated uh, in certain scriptures. And when they're translated properly, it changes the way that you understand the context. And, and the little word that causes so many problems in the New Testament in the Greek, and you can look it up, it's the word aion or ion. And it's A-I-O-N uh, in the Greek. So if you have one of those you know, fancy Greek books, you can go look it up. And it actually means age, uh, talking about a time period. But it's often translated in different um, versions of the Bible, world. All right? Now, the actual Greek word for world is cosmos. Uh, and cosmos talks about an ordered uh, world. It's, at cosmos, very interesting is where we get our words cosmetics. Cosmetics bring order uh, <laughs> to... That's how they got the word. I'm not bringing, making it up. <laughs> Brings order to the face. Uh, I can't make this stuff up. <laughs> Are you snorting? Because <laughs> uh, I like that. No, I'm sorry. Sometimes I take it on as a challenge to see if I can make it happen again. We won't. Um, so let me get focused. Okay. So what happens is, uh, oftentimes that word aeon is translated world in, uh, instead of age. For example, in Matthew 12:32, I know you don't have this in front of you, but, but I'll read it to you first in the King James and then in the NIV. And, and I love the King James. Don't get me wrong. It's actually translated better, this verse. In the NIV, Matthew 12:32. If you want to turn there in your text, you can. Or write it down and look at it later. In the, in the King James, it says this: "And whosoever speaketh the word against the Son of Man, it shall be forgiven him. But whosoever speaketh against the Holy Ghost, it shall not be forgiven him, neither in this world, neither in the world to come." Now, the word that they translated "world" there is not "cosmos." It's "ion," and and. So when you read that, and that's kind of the, the tendency has been to look at those verses that way, um, it looks like there's this world, and then there's a world to come. And, and it, it begins to impact our thinking. This is the verse in the NIV. 
Anyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven, but anyone who speaks against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven, either in this age or the age to come. Now, this idea of the, this age and the age to come is what we have to concentrate on because the Bible talks about this a lot as well, and most people don't see it when they read the text. And it talks about this age, and this age is an evil age, this present evil age, full of rebellion and wickedness. And, and the, the whole idea behind this age is to choke out the Word of God. The age of God is, it correlates with the kingdom, of, or the age to come correlates with the kingdom of God, and it's a place where none of that stuff will will take place the age to come and so the entire sweep of man's existence is set forth in the term of this age and the age to come and so it starts with creation this age and then it moves on through the age to come another verse just to back up what i'm talking about ephesians 121 says far above all rule and authority power and dominion and every title that can be given not only in the present age but also in the one to come. Two ages, this age and the one to come. All right, it's talking about time. Jesus said this in Mark uh, 10, 29 30. Last verse I'm going to read you. I know I've read you a lot of verses. I tell you the truth, Jesus replied, no one who has left home or brothers or sister or mother or father or children or fields for me and the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age, homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, and fields, and with them persecutions, and in the age to come, Eternal life. So look, the idea behind that, and we'll dig into that more next week, is that what we're talking about is clearly two periods of time and not two worlds. And, and this is important because what we're going to demonstrate in the Scripture is that what's happened is that all that stuff that's yet to come has broken into the right now. It's not, and, and so if you have this idea of two separate worlds, you can't get that. But if you're talking about two times, you can begin to see the overlap of time, and that's what takes place. And when we walk through the scripture together, you'll see how that has taken place, and we'll begin to see what that means to us and how it causes us to read the Bible and understand it, I think, in ways that we maybe never have, and it impacts our lives. Because it's, we're not just sitting here killing time until Jesus comes back. Um, that's what we think sometimes. We, we think, okay, now I'm saved, and now what I'm supposed to do is just be as good as I can until Jesus gets back. How many of you have, have, have understand that, that sitting around trying to be good until Jesus gets back is really difficult? <laughs> do you get that? If that's all you got to do is, Jesus, well, Jesus has come saved, and I'm waiting for Jesus to come back, and um, all I'm supposed to do now is be good, you won't make it. Because you ain't good enough to be good. And there's not enough to do. But, but if you understand that that's not the concept. Sure, Jesus is coming back, and we're waiting for that. Oh, yes. But he's already here in such a way that we, don't, we can begin to do the eternal work that we're given now. And we should be doing it. We shouldn't ever sit around thinking, well, I'm, just, I'm on hold until Jesus comes back. There's so much more to it. And, and we're caught up in this conflict of the ages, already won, but there's all these cleanup battles that need to be, to be dealt with. And there's, there's all these people that need to be rescued uh, from, the, from the, the hands of the evil one. There's so many people who are blinded by, by what the enemy is doing. You know, we'll see in the Bible, uh, there's this amazing verse. I'm going to read it to you, but we'll get into it in depth. But, but uh, that the, the enemy's plan is this, the Second Corinthians 4.4. 4. Um, 
and, and we'll look about it, but it says this, the God of this age, the little g God of this age, you know who you're talking about? The evil one, has blinded the minds of unbelievers so they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. The whole tactic of the evil one is to blind people from seeing the truth. And yet the power is penetrated, so they're able to see it if they decide to get their minds off themselves enough to look. And we're involved in the process. And, and we're to be those that live this thing out in such a way that people can see it. But we don't have to live it out in our own power and strength. He's given us the power uh, of the future today, in part, in order to live this thing out with God. And so once we get a hold of that, it, it, I promise you if, you, if you really think about this stuff, and really ask God to help you see the Bible through the lens of the kingdom of God. It will absolutely change the way you feel about all of it. it it'll, it'll make you go, oh. You know, with a lot of scripture, you look at it and go, but, but when you start looking at it, all of a sudden it just starts to go, ah, oh, that's why he said that. Well, that's what that meant. And so as we begin to talk about these things, you'll see them more and more in scripture. Now, so be looking as you read. Every time it talks about the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven, the two are interchangeable. Same thing. All right, I could... We could do a study on that, but I don't think I need to. Just if, Unless you really challenge me on that, I can show you scripturally how those are the two are the same things, all right? But, but I shouldn't have to unless you really need me to. So, King of God, King of Heaven, the same thing. Start looking about this present age and the age to come, and you'll see them happen, happen over and over. You'll be reading about this stuff, and all of a sudden, when we talk about this, you're going to get it. You're going to go, oh, well, that's what he's talking about. So that's what we're heading towards, and uh, next week you'll get these fun diagrams. So come looking forward to that, and, and uh, we'll be talking about this stuff together, okay? And uh, we've got quite a few weeks of this yet, so if you've got questions, you can start storing them up. And, and uh, if you have questions, you know, probably the best way for me to answer these so I don't answer them on the spot, if you're starting to get questions over the next week or two, write them down for me, give them to me, and then I'll respond to them the following week. All right? The best I can. Okay. I have said enough for one day. That's a lot of scripture. I'm sorry, but uh, I have to lay it all out there so that we can build on it, okay? And uh, we do it in these little shots. So we try and remember, and we'll get to it next week. Okay? All right. Pass up your prayer request to me, and I will pray for you.